Good morning. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Sue Allen, married to Steve, and I've been part of Abbey for many a year now. <laughs> so long, in fact, that it's a, I don't know whether to wear these or not. I'm at that funny stage in life where, do I wear glasses to see you or to see the paper? I don't know. I, th I think the paper might win, so I'll, I'll look, look across like this at you. <laughs> I'm a real granny now, I don't know. <laughs> Um, so this week is the next instalment of our Becoming Like Jesus series. Um, and my talk is about becoming like Jesus through the presence of Holy Spirit. Now, to help you follow along and give you a chance to remember what I'm going to say to you, um, so a bit later you won't just forget everything, um, I'll give you the four headings up front. First, Holy Spirit wants to live in us. And then three words, helper holy and honour. So if you're sitting comfortably, I will begin. You know when you're wondering if something's going to happen and someone says to you, huh, don't hold your breath. Well, that's not the case today. Something is going to happen because we're sharing God's word together. And whenever we share God's word together, he makes the experience of his truth available to us. And I do want you to hold your breath. Those of you who want to, I want you to hold your breath for 20 seconds. Um, we'll do it together, and um, I'll tell you when 20 seconds are up. So those of you who want to, hold your breath, take a deep breath, and hold it now. breathe. <laughs> Doesn't that feel good? <laughs> Doesn't that feel necessary? Well, the reason I had us doing that little exercise was to help us remember that just like we need to take breath into our lungs to stay alive physically, we need to take God's breath, his Holy Spirit into us to stay alive spiritually. In fact, if we want to become like Jesus... If we want a living, vibrant relationship with God, if we want his ability to love and to overcome evil with good, then we need his Holy Spirit living in us. We need his breath in us. Um, the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead who enables us to connect with God, to make everything that Jesus came to give us real to us. Let me explain. In the beginning... The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. The very fact that we exist is because God breathed his life into us. His breath, his Holy Spirit is his very self. Holy Spirit is not a force but a person, the third person of the Trinity. But I want to show you that his breath in us was not just to create us, but to be with us. I want to show you that God wants to be as intimate with us as the air that we breathe. He wants to have his life inside of us. That's what the Bible teaches us. And if we could only trust that he always loves us enough to always want to be with us, and we allowed him to fully live in us, I think our lives would look very different. I think we would look a lot more like Jesus. 
Let's start with God's name. I'm going to read a snippet from an article Andrea shared with our home group, written by a lady called Sandra Thurman. I'm sharing it because when I heard it, it really blessed me and encouraged me so much I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I'm also sharing it because it's a brilliant introduction to show how close God wants to be with us. So this is what she says. There was a moment when Moses had the nerve to ask God what his name is. God was gracious enough to answer, and the name he gave is recorded in the original Hebrew as YHWH. Over time, we've arbitrarily added an A and an E in there to get Yahweh. But scholars and rabbis have noted that the letters YHWH represent breathing sounds or aspirated consonants. When pronounced without intervening vowels, it actually sounds like breathing. Y-H, yeah. W-H, wah. Try it with me. Yeah. Wah. Yeah. Wah. God chose to give himself a name that we can't help but speak every moment that we're alive. All of us, always, everywhere. Waking, sleeping, breathing with the name of God on our lips. Isn't that beautiful? God does want to be as close to us as to share the same breath. You can't get much more intimate than that. We came from the divine kiss of life. We were made in the likeness of the breath giver for an intimate relationship with him. Indeed, right through the Bible, we see that God longs for us to enjoy his presence. The three places in the Bible where we see God's perfect will being done are first in the Garden of Eden, and there God lives unseparated from mankind. Second, in the life of Jesus, and Jesus came as Emmanuel, God with us. And third, in the book of Revelation, when all is made right at the end of time, and we live in the direct presence of God. The Bible's overarching story of God and man starts with God with us. Then to bring us back to him, Jesus is God with us. And then when everything is put right, God is with us again. God's desire is to be with us and to rescue us and to restore us to be like him again. Now, the trouble is most of us know that truth in our heads about God being with us. Because Jesus has reconnected us with him. But often what we lack is the intimate relationship with him in our everyday lives. And we need that intimate relationship with him to become like him. But the good news is the truths we know about Jesus being our closest friend, walking with us and talking with us, teaching us his ways, are actually available to us through the presence of his Holy Spirit. Let's look at a passage from the Gospel of John where Jesus promises us just that. By way of context, Jesus was promising his disciples, whom he'd spent the last three years with, that when he left them, he would send them his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would be even better for them than Jesus had been with them in the flesh. So let's read from John chapter 14, verses 16 to 25 which should be on the screen. Brill, thanks, Stephen. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate 
to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I've spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. So, Jesus is saying that after his return to heaven, his spirit, the presence of God, will be available to anyone who loves and obeys him, no matter who, when, or where. So, who is the Holy Spirit to us? And why should we desire his presence? The overarching word to remember is helper. Let's examine what this passage teaches us. In verse 16, Jesus describes Holy Spirit as the advocate. Now, that term didn't excite me much until I heard recently somebody explain that the advocate is on our side. And he is the exact opposite to the accuser, Satan, who is always seeking to oppose us, speak negatively to us, grind us down and destroy us. The advocate, parakletos in Greek, it can also be translated as the counsellor, comforter, encourager, helper. In short, he's our closest friend who is always with us. Holy Spirit is everything to us that Jesus was to his disciples when he walked the earth, helping us to become like him. In verse 17, note he is the spirit of truth. He is reality personified, completely dependable, the only one who will never forsake you or betray you, and the only one trustworthy enough to build your life upon. Now, our enemy is the father of lies, and he is always trying to get us to distrust God's love for us. But the voice of the Spirit is forever reminding us of our true identity as beloved children of God. If you find it hard to trust people, and so you find it hard to trust God, remember, he is the Spirit of truth. He cannot let you down. There is no deceit in him. You can base your life upon him. In verse 17, we also read, You know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus is promising that it is possible to know his spirit living in us and being with us. 
And within that truth is the invitation to experience him in our day-to-day living. To know him is to have him living in you, helping you, encouraging you, guiding you, speaking to you. It's far more than just knowing about him. And in verse 18, we read, I will not leave you as orphans. The world is a scary place. But as Christians, we don't have to do life alone. We no longer have to live with that orphan spirit of fear and lack. Instead, we have a father in heaven and Holy Spirit makes him real to us. We can cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, you love me. The orphan cries out, everyone for himself, grab what you can, elbow other people out of the way. But as beloved children, we can be like Jesus and risk being selfless and generous. We can look after others. We can trust that we have our Father in heaven who is looking after us. In verse 19, he says, because I live you also will live. Just as at creation, God breathed his spirit on mankind to give them life. After his resurrection, Jesus breathed his spirit on them to give them new life. And that resurrection life is available to us through his spirit. In verse 20, we read, Jesus says, I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. Note the enmeshing of God, Jesus, and us here through his Holy Spirit. In verse 23, we see obedience is the key to experiencing his presence. Jesus says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home in them. As Christians, people who've decided to obey Jesus... We already have his Holy Spirit in us. And it's this ongoing obedience that is so important. So the Spirit remains. But it's not obedience in the sense of religiously following a list of rules. Rather, out of love for him, Jesus is inviting us to embody his words. To put his words into action. When we do that, we actually personify his love. And we become like Jesus. Finally, we read, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. All that Jesus began to do and teach is carried on in our lives by the Holy Spirit. It's quite clear that to become like Jesus, we need to be closely connected to the Holy Spirit. He is our helper. So... How do we do that? Well, this brings us to our next point, holy. Our helper is holy. Being the very nature of God, Holy Spirit is pure, uncorrupted life. Without any decay, there's no sin in it. There's no sin in him. He is all love and goodness and integrity. He is absolute beauty. In short, he's all that we long for and all that we regularly fall short of. Jesus has made a way for us to reconnect with him. Jesus dealt with our sins on the cross and makes us holy in the heavenly realms. We have a deposit of the Holy Spirit in us. Everyone who commits their life to Jesus has a measure of the Spirit in them. 
However, it's plain to see that we have ongoing issues in the earthly realm with our old natures. We need to work out our salvation. And so how do we share more of his holiness so we can also share more of his life? I'm going to tell you a story to help you understand the how. A friend of mine uh, was spring cleaning. And as she was busying about her kitchen, she looked behind the fridge and to her horror, she saw something gray and furry. She panicked and phoned her husband and she said, you've got to come home, there's a rat behind the fridge. He came home as quickly as he could and he took a stick and he tentatively poked the creature and with her squealing behind him, he pulled it out, whereupon they realised it was a mouldy cucumber. (laughs) Now that, my friends, is a lot like us. Left to ourselves, we rot. Just like a cucumber, just like everything of this world, is subject to sin and decay. And our physical and moral natures are exactly the same. Left to our own devices, we become rat-like. So how do we stop that? Well, how do you stop a cucumber going mouldy? You pickle it. Seriously, this is biblical. The Bible tells us that we have the Holy Spirit in us at the point of conversion as a deposit guaranteeing our full redemption. But we also read that a key part to following Jesus is to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. And the word baptised was the same word that was used in ancient pickling recipes. You can actually Google this. There is actually an ancient pickling recipe which said to bapto, to dip the cucumber in hot water, and then to baptizo it, immerse it, and keep it under vinegar. And that would change the nature of the cucumber into a pickle and stop it rotting. And as we become immersed and stay immersed in the Holy Spirit, a permanent change takes place in us. Our very natures take on his nature, and we become more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit makes us holy, If we invite him to pour himself upon us and we stay immersed in his presence. Now I hope by now you want that. And at the end of my talk we will take some time to invite him to come upon us and fill us up again. My whole reason for preaching this sermon is so that we all have an encounter with Holy Spirit. He longs to come upon us. Jesus says... If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? All we have to do is ask. But what we do with his presence is key to how much of his love and power remains in us. This is the important bit that we often miss, I think. Our daily life choices must be of people of integrity. If we're not people of integrity, how can we expect the Holy Spirit to remain in us? If we're not trying to be holy, why should he stay with us? Which brings us to our last point, honour. If we honour Holy Spirit with our daily life choices, we are inviting him to remain in us. We are in effect saying, I choose you, Jesus. And his spirit is continually welcomed into our life. 
We're told in the Bible not to grieve him and not to quench him. We grieve the spirit by the wrong things that we do. We quench him by the right things that we don't do. You see, our initial repentance gets us into heaven, but to get heaven into us, we need to live in ongoing repentance, ongoing surrendering our old natures to him, letting letting him change us, choosing to obey, obey him. When I trust him to be Lord of my life, then he can trust me enough with fuller measures of his nature and power. Then we produce what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, giving us his character and his power to love and heal people. God wants to do life with us. And why wouldn't we want to do life with him? When you think about it, we've seen that he's good. The bits of our lives we've allowed him access to have transformed us, haven't they? So isn't it foolish on our part to hold things back from him and not give him access to every area of our lives? God wants to be with us. He wants us to succeed at becoming like Jesus. That is our ultimate destiny. We're like children learning to walk, hand in hand with our Father. As we take steps of obedience, he supports us and provides the strength and picks us up when we fall And every time he picks us up, we realize, wow, he really does love me. I really can trust him. And it helps to keep short accounts with God. Keep asking for his help. Keep asking for his forgiveness. He's ready to come alongside us to help. Finally, one of the most effective ways of honoring Holy Spirit and immersing ourselves in his presence is by fully fully giving ourselves to thanksgiving, praise and worship we read in psalm 100 the secret to accessing god's presence we're told enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise we're so blessed in this church to have a worship band that every week they lead us on a journey into the gates and into the courts of the presence of god And if you want more of the Holy Spirit in your life, I would really encourage you to give yourself wholeheartedly to worship. It's not just singing. It's telling him how much you love him, how much you appreciate him. And he cannot resist that open-heartedness. And he comes and he reciprocates that love. I'm sure that's why most healings take place in large worship gatherings where people are really going for it and telling him how much they love him. So to sum up, we've seen that Holy Spirit wants to live in us. Holy Spirit is our helper. He makes us holy. And as we honor him with our life choices, he changes us to be like Jesus. Now, as we move into communion, let's open ourselves up to Holy Spirit, remembering all that Jesus has done for us, taking our death so we can have his life. Invite him to breathe his spirit afresh on you. Just open yourself up to him. And then as we move into worship, let's adore him with everything that we've got. Surrender our lives in a deeper way to him. Say, yes, come Holy Spirit. Enable me to have Jesus' love and power. Enable me to become like Jesus. Yes, come Holy Spirit. Shall we say that together? Yes, 
Come, Holy Spirit.